You're listening to The Big Red Bench on Corks Red FM. My name's Rory O'Hagan along with former uh, Munster Scrum Half Tomas O'Leary here until 7 o'clock this evening if you'd like to get in touch show 868104106 you can tweet us as well at Big Red Bench I think we're still recovering Tomas from that Father O'Neill's game last night as we went off air we went off to watch the end of the match and it was one of the most incredible last 20 minutes of hurling I think I've ever seen yeah, it was a crazy game. Um, probably the best game of the weekend in, in any kind of <laughs> Anywhere. sport, really. Um, look, gutting for Father O'Neill's, yeah. obviously, to to come back into it. Looked like they were maybe going to nick it, um, or at least get to extra time. Um, and last last play of the game, obviously Tullerone nicking a point. Um, yeah. yeah, look, what a game of hurling. It was just though. one of those, I mean, like, we were on our feet celebrating every Father O'Neill score at that point. It was just a magical game. We're going to hear, as I said, from Dave Colbert a little bit later on, but... I know it's not going to be of any comfort to them if they were involved in one of the greatest games of hurling I've ever seen, basically. Uh, and don't think it's underestimating to see that. Uh, at the end of that, that last 20 minutes was just phenomenal, but heartbreaking stuff indeed. But um, We'll uh, get reaction from Dave Colbert a little bit later on. Um, but yeah, fantastic game of hurling last night. Pity the senior game didn't live up to that. Oh, like I suppose looking at I suppose previously Russell Rovers as well you know they, they were well outclassed um, it's nearly more of a bitter pill to swallow when mm. it's such a tight game t- tight margins and uh, so it'd be definitely tough for Father and East to take over the course of the winter but yeah the senior game definitely was a bit of a damp squib yeah. um, the standard of hurling was poor a lot of wides yeah. um, I think Ballyhale even they didn't play up to their potential um, and look they they were the better team and, and I suppose had that experience with TJ Reid in particular got a few scores when they needed it um, so look uh, were the All-Ireland champions but yeah a, p- a poor game of hurling Yeah the uh, football final has gone to extra time as well between uh, Carl Finn and Kilku this, um, this well most of the 60 minutes was poor fair let's call it spade a spade it was a dreadful game but things just livened up as uh, five minutes went up on the referees uh, the, the fourth officials or the sixth officials or seventh officials um, board said that there was five minutes of out time and it just went haywire after that didn't it yeah it was pretty cynical game um, you know particularly Kilku with a lot of men behind the ball and, and Curfin have kind of got sucked into that um, they got a bit cynical themselves in the, in the last two three minutes of, of normal time and, and I guess got caught by the sunker punch got a man sent off they gave away a, a cheap 10-15 yards um, after giving away a free and, and Kilku kicked to kick to bring it to seven points apiece and bring it to extra time and then an old school uh, melee as they call it, it, it going into the tunnel bit shoulders of handbags, where, a bit of bumper cars a bit of uh, getting to know you yeah things livened up and it kind it looked like there could be fireworks after into extra time but I think 20 minutes kind of um, went and, and t- both teams got back in the pitch and Cara Flynn have given a bit of a master class in, in extra time and currently it's one one eleven to 7 points so they look like um, you know they'll add to, to, to their uh, other titles yeah it looks that way indeed um, right we're going to get uh, up today with everything that happened today tomorrow starting I suppose with uh, Gaelic Games and that big win for UCC yeah, so there was a big win for Cork in the Electric Ireland Fitzgibbon Cup this afternoon. Um, defending champions UCC have beaten CIT 22 points to 15 at the Mardike. Meanwhile, in the Sigerson Cup, quarterfinal UCC have lost out to IT Carlo. 3-9 to 14 points was the final score there. And in the, in the All-Ireland Club final, Kilkenny's Ballyhale and Shamrocks have retained their AIB All-Ireland Club title. They've beaten Barcelona of Tipperary at Crow Park this afternoon. 18 points to 15 was how it finished there.
And then football final, like we've just discussed, it's currently one eleven to, to Carafin and seven points to Kilku. Um, that's after a finish seven points apiece at the end of the hour. Uh, football, one of the biggest rivalries in the world, is is currently taking place. Yeah, it hasn't been fantastic, has it, by any stretch of the imagination? No, it's been poor fair, I guess. Um, obviously, Liverpool got a pretty early goal from set piece uh, with Van Dijk coming up with, with a great header. Yeah, in um, fairness, yeah. Probably should have extended her lead on a, on a couple of occasions. Um, and look, United have hung in there. Martial had a decent chance to, to level it up. It, yeah. um, but look, it's been a poor game of, of soccer, really. Um, look, uh, I suppose you can't really compare it. The, the all Ireland club football final has been pretty poor. <laughs> but um, when I suppose you compare it to, to yesterday's hurling in particular, yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of tough to watch. But looks like Liverpool will, will eke out another win. Yeah, and they'll go 16 points clear if they can hang on to that 1-0 win. But uh, they're under a bit of pressure here, looking a bit nervy as they uh, try and uh, see this game out. Uh, and United certainly asking uh, some questions here at the moment. 78 minutes on the clock, Liverpool won Manchester United now. And before that game, Burnley defeated Leicester City 2-1 and Peter Smith was at Turf Moor. Burnley 2, Leicester 1, a fine individual goal from Harvey Barnes put Leicester ahead in the first half. But Burnley transformed themselves after the break. Chris Wood levelled from close range after Ben Mead headed down a corner. Keeper Nick Pope then produced a heroic penalty save to deny Jamie Vardy after Ben Mead had impeded Barnes inside the box. Burnley's winner came 10 minutes from time with Ashley Westwood hammering in after Charlie Taylor's cross deflected into his path. Burnley 2, Leicester 1. And on to the rugby, uh, where today in Thomas Park, Munster beat the Ospreys 33 points to 6 in their final European Champions Cup pool game. CJ Stander scored two tries with Stephen Archer, Conor Murray and Craig Casey also gone over uh, for Johan van Grandside at Thomas Park. The Southern Province knew going into this game that they couldn't qualify for the last day of the tournament after other results yesterday didn't go their way. Van Grand said at full time it was important to go out in a good note. We wanted to finish strong, especially in front of our home crowd. Now, of, of all the round six fixtures, uh, you know, we still had the biggest crowd and now that's that's what uh, the Munster team mean to the people and I thought we, we came out and specifically that second half we kept hammering against that wall and we scored some very nice tries. Yeah, we'll talk Munster a little bit later on as we're going to hear from Jack O'Donoghue after that win today. And Andy Friends Connacht, meanwhile, lost away to Montpellier, 35 points to 29 is how it finished there. Saracens, meanwhile, defeated Rassing, 27 points to 24. And the Saracens board have today apologised for their salary cap breaches and accepted their relegation from the English Premiership. Uh, the club's demotion was confirmed yesterday with a statement today saying they now want to rebuild confidence and trust. Former Saracens fullback Andy Good spoke about the situation earlier today. Big decisions to be made around the likes of Owen Farrell, Billy Vanapola, Maratoji, all these England stars. And they'll have to sum up things individually. Where do they want to play? Do they want to be part of the Saracens culture moving forward? Will they take a pay cut and go somewhere else? Will they potentially go and play abroad for a year or go on loan to another Premiership club? It's going to be tough for Saracens to move a lot of those players on considering the contracts that they're on and maybe a lot of other clubs just can't afford them. Yeah, and I think, I suppose, traditional big spenders in France, they'd have most of their business done. Mm. Um, so um, other English clubs as well probably um, will be reluctant enough to, to I suppose, splash out mid-season uh, and take some of Saracens' guys, I suppose, with their own salary uh, caps in situ and, and probably a lot of their squads for next year finalised mm. also. So, um, look, interestingly, I don't think there's any kind of salary um, caps in the championship, English championship. I'm not sure on that, but um, so a lot of the guys might stay and, and look to return to the, the premiership with Saracens. So that might give them a bit of time to, to get it in order for, for 2022, potentially. Um, so, yeah, interesting times. But look, I suppose 
the quarterfinals now have been finalised in the in the European Cup as well and um, Leinster for having a perfect um, <laughs> group stage have, have have kind of got the worst possible yeah, uh, draw yeah Saracens coming to town it'll be a cracker of a game mm-hmm. um, and look Saracens you know Leinster will have to be mo- very wary of them obviously yeah. I think you know any team capable of coming to, to Dublin and beating them it, it has to be Saracens so um, little reward there for their outstanding form in the group stage um, and I've, I think Ulster would be happy enough with their draw um, away to lose, lose. Um, I think it's probably the easiest of, of well that's not an easy game going to Toulouse by any manner but going to Claremont or going to Exeter um, you know their two tough games as well, so I think they'll be happy with with their with their draw there. And obviously, Claremont will be home to Racing ninety two and Exeter home to Northampton there in the quarterfinals. That Saracens story is sensational. I mean, like I don't think I've ever seen the likes of it. I mean, like to to be caught, and I suppose, and for their fall to be so dramatic, like immediate expulsion down to the the championship, it's something else, isn't it? It's mad, really, and uh, that's after paying a, an already, uh, you know, massive fine of, of five mm. or six million. Um, I, might, I think there were thirty-four point deduction. Um, so, it looked like you know, if the season continued, they probably would escape relegation. All right, so mm. that's probably why um, you know they've they've been, I suppose, forced with this um, relegation. I think other teams may have uh, pushed for it. Other other owners, other other uh, you know boards w- would have pushed for it too. Um, but yeah, look, it's it's crazy, really. But you'd have to maybe question whether they're the only team at it too. Yeah, do you think there other thing teams maybe looking nervously and kind of following their accounts and saying are we okay here definitely would imagine there's certainly other other teams f- flirting with, <laughs> with um, kind of creative solutions to, to, to I suppose negotiating the salary cap but definitely I think uh, the way Saracens did it totally uh, I suppose disregarded mm-hmm. um, it and look They've they've had success in the back of it, um, you know, and teams like Exeter maybe losing two finals to them in the Premiership in particular. That has to hurt, yeah. yeah. So they, you know those kind of, you know, Nick White spoke about it. You know, their scrum half saying, um, you know, they'll never get that, those medals back, and you know how unfair it was. Um, but look, fortunately, that's rugby, and that's history will kind of tell us its own story about mm-hmm. it. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how Saracens manage, you know, the the star players that they have and and whether they can I suppose retain them and, and I suppose keep the cohort of them at the mm. club and fair play to them as well I mean like that couldn't have been easy going out and playing a game like that today with everything hanging over them to go off and, and beat Racing is a no mean feat no I think I suppose looking from the outside and, and talking to players who've played there there is a genuine team spirit there mm. They've, they have created that look uh, Mark McCall has been a fantastic coach and I think this has almost galvanised them as well um, you know, it, it almost gave them a new focus. Um, they've kind of been dominant team in the Premiership for the last few years. So um, coming from a starting point of, of minus thirty four points would have been a you know a fantastic achievement to avoid relegation. And now having been relegated, I think they'll put all their eggs in the European basket. Um, so it's dangerous for for Leinster, but I think you know the players. Who, who are playing with Saracens they do have a genuine kind of love for the club so you have to admire that even even if you kind of dislike what they stand for Yeah certainly so right still uh, Liverpool leading Man United by a goal to nearly four minutes on the clock there now and uh, Corofin leading one twelve to 7 points and that game is almost up so there I'm not going to say both hands are on the trophy but uh, one hand certainly on the trophy there
Yeah, look, a fantastic achievement for them. Look, been a dominant club team and club football um, for the last number of years and well deserved uh, another All Ireland title for those guys. Mm. On to basketball, uh, where there was a, a Cork Derby in the Women's Super League. Ambassador to UCC Glanmire had beaten Singleton Super Value Brunel 69 points to 49. And on to golf, where England Lee Westwood has become the first golfer to win a title in four different decades of European <laughs> Tour. Massive achievement. There. Yeah, 90s, noughties, 10s and now 20s. That is some achievement. Yeah, and phenomenal. when you say four decades, I mean like 1990 seems like la- or the 1990s seems like last year. Well, like 99 anyway, if you look back and it doesn't seem like 20 years ago. It's getting old, Rory. It's getting old, boy. It's not a small one. <laughs> so... Westwood claimed victory at the Abu Dhabi Championship finishing two shots ahead of Tommy Fleetwood Matt Fitzpatrick and Victor Perez his final round score of 67 took him to 19 under par for the tournament um, so look tip of the hat to him he's not mm. almost the most uh, I suppose entertaining of, of golfers but he's some record to be he's fair he's only to. 45 as well so he could make it uh, win in five decades if he's still going in 10 years time yeah fair, look to be fair to me yeah, that would be an unbelievable achievement look f- four decades is good enough I suppose for, <laughs> for most people so um, look fair play to him um, and to snooker where in the final of the 2020 Masters resumes this evening Ali Par- Carter plays in his first ever final at this ranking event against former world champion Stuart Bingham Bingham currently leads 5 frames 3 going into the second session at 7pm it's the first of 10 frames there to decide who will be crowned champion Conor McGregor last night returned to the Oxygen in style at UFC 246 as he beat American Donald Cerrone in just 40 seconds in Las Vegas. Uh, referee Herb Dean stepped in and waved off the contest inside a minute after a series of blows from McGregor. The 31-year-old Irishman has not won inside the ring of UFC's Octagon since he captured his second UFC world title in 2016. McGregor was claiming he was going to get 80 million quid for that fight last night, so that's translated 2 million quid per second. No, uh, that can't be right. I can obviously that. It's, it's phenomenal if it is. Not a bad night's work, but I, I'm glad I didn't get up. I was contemplating getting up to watch that fight last night. Glad I didn't. Yeah, I know. Um, it would have been uh, pretty, pretty kind of, I suppose, bleak to to spend up all night waiting for him. And suddenly, uh, it, it was a no, not event really. McGregor yeah. just totally outclassed him. Um, so, but look, he, he's back, and all the buzz will start out about now his next fight and, and who it'll be. Um, yeah, we'll so. talk, yeah, we'll talk to Sean Sheen a little bit later on from SevereMMA.com. Cara Finn, meanwhile, have been crowned All Ireland Club Football Champions after one twelve to seven points win over Kilku today. That game is uh, just over. In the NFL, in the conference championships, the Kansas City Chiefs face the Tennessee Titans at 8.05 tonight and at 11.40, the San Francisco 49ers face the Green Bay Packers. And that's the sport with five birds. <laughs> All right, Tomas, cheers for that. All right, UCC uh, taking another stride in their defence. The Fitzgibbon Cup this afternoon. They beat CIT at the Maradike, 22 points to 15 was how that finished. Ryan was speaking to UCC selector Ian O'Connell after the game. Ian, great result for UCC today. Happy with the result, I'm sure. Yeah, we got the result. Today was all about getting over the line. Um, CIT are a good team in all local debris and any time UCC and CIT meet there's never much in it um, I suppose you know, we were very strong in the first half we wouldn't be happy with our second half performance that will not be good enough for us going forward but look today was all about getting the win and getting a home quarter final drawing it's onwards and upwards from here hopefully I suppose just to break it down Ian you were very much I suppose in control comfortable in that first half we were and you know we've we've a strong squad and uh, you know we need to get lads in we need to get a look at them and we made a couple of changes at half time we brought a few more lads in throughout the game and these are all quality players and sometimes that can just go against your momentum but look it's a squad game and we need to get 24-25 fellas up to the real championship pace which is going to be there going forward because it's knockout from now on but you know overall we're happy we got the result and you know there's, there's the plan was to try and get a home quarter final and that's what we've achieved and I think it'll be uh, UCD now in a couple of weeks time here in the Mardock. 
Ian, you got over the line uh, in the Cannon O'Brien Cup a few weeks ago. You went on to NUIG, got a result there. Another good result today. Do you feel like there's a bit of form coming up with the team? Do you feel like you're in a good position to go on and, and defend this cup? Ah, yeah, look, I suppose we're, we're, we're probably, look, we're probably the favourites for the competition. Everyone wants to, to take us down. Um, look, we're taking it one game at a time. Uh, you see there today, does, look, CIT won the second half there, beat us by three or four points in the second half. So we take nothing for granted. Um, the quality of the opposition you're playing, if you don't turn up and put in a performance, for 65-70 minutes you're not going to get over the line so it's, it's one day at a time with us and uh, look those matches are a help you know with inter-county and everything it's hard to get lads together and there isn't a lot of training you know collective training going on but um, look yeah hopefully today will bring us on again and we'll be in good shape uh, in a couple of weeks time for the quarter-final what after such a strong half I suppose what was your message at half time and what do you think changed in the second half ah, I suppose look CIT are very proud college they did a strong team and you know we knew they were going to come at us and you know it's probably difficult in players minds you know we were nine points up at half time and you know there was a couple of stupid things things that we were doing in the first half we were popping the ball over the bar and taking our scores we were just throwing the extra pass in we were maybe trying to walk the ball into the net there a couple of times whereas if we tacked on the points you know we might have been maybe in a more comfortable position coming down the home stretch and you know they brought it back to five and we really had to answer and get a couple of points and, and go on and win it but you know this, it's, it's a credit to CIT you know they were a good side and uh, they put it up to us, us there very well in the second half Yeah I suppose it's a real game of two halves wasn't it like you did now in fairness I suppose towards the end of the second half you did bring it back on track it did look like I suppose towards the last kind of five ten minutes you weren't going to be caught I, we, look, we, I suppose let's be honest we probably were in control but you can never you know it's, there was a goal went in there with five or ten minutes to go it could have been interesting And uh, but look we've got a good player Shane Kingston had a great game there today Shane Conwell you know they're good guys they, they tapped over some lovely scores when we needed them Mark Coleman the same you know so you know those guys came to the fore on the second half we need them and you know we're happy overall and we're, we're running to a quarter finals where we wanted to be Absolutely Kingston and Conway were phenomenal you would say Yeah two quality players two quality players you know give them the right supply of ball and, and they'd be a match for anyone on their day and I suppose that the thing is to try and get the ball into them as fast as we can and maybe that was something that happened in the second half that we need to work on is that we started over passing the ball out the field and we weren't letting it in more direct to them but look that's something that's good to be in a position we're in and we can work on that going forward Great so thanks so much Ian appreciate it Thank you, you. Alright that was was UCC selector Ian O'Connell speaking after uh, that win today uh, Ryan Grace was there for us and Ryan that looked like an easy win for UCC today yeah it was easy enough like you don't want to say that it was comfortable as such because CIT like they played in patches you know but overall like UCC were definitely in control they had the lead for the whole game they never lost the lead they started off uh, the better team the first half was, was all UCC they were uh uh, they were uh, clever in possession like they got into a lot of space they took their chances like they uh, did good long balls kind of going up going forward like it was no bother to them at all um, Shane Conway Shane Kingston like not to you know it was obviously a team effort but the two of them had phenomenal games like they were scoring for fun um, they had a nine point it was nine points at the half it was 15 to six and uh, you kind of thought like you know this is never going to really be turned over as such in fairness into the second half I don't know like CIT must have got the hairdryer treatment that, um, at the half because they came out swinging and they actually they cut the lead in the first five minutes from nine points down to five and you're thinking you know kind of if they can get a goal here get another one or two points maybe might be game on but like you can't play like that for, for five or eight minutes of the game and expect to get anything out of it. And again, they dropped off. Uh, they were sloppy. They were kind of, they, uh, they couldn't keep the ball well. They, they had a lot of wides, um, CIT, a lot of wides. It's not that they didn't have chances as such. They just didn't take them really. And yeah, overall, like I say, like Conway Kingston shined for UCC and overall it was just, uh, another, another easy win for him today. And from, uh, Cork, 
hurling point of view, I guess Kieran Kingston and his new management team would have been there. Is there anyone who would have impressed outside of your your regular Cork players? Uh, Billy Hennessy had a, a great game as well. Uh, like I, I like I don't know. It uh, Shane Hurley was good, like King, but it was really it was Kingston and Conway were kind of running running the whole show as such, really. Um, like I don't know, I suppose because I watched them a couple of weeks ago at the Canon O'Brien Cup. That was kind of more where you would have seen like kind of who was really kind of putting up a fight to get into the Cork team as such because well firstly they were playing the Cork team and uh, but also they were trailing for most of that and they actually kind of brought in it was it was much more of a hard fought win um, as was like when they went to NUIG the following week in the Fitzgibbon Cup again there was only two points in that at full time this was a lot more kind of a, like a casual day at the office you know like they're no lads were kind of having to make kind of great sprints or great strides at any at a great time. They were just they were clever off the ball, getting themselves into space, like which is important as well, obviously. But like overall, it was a much more relaxed performance from them all. All right, Ryan. Cheers, for that. Um Have you warmed up yet? More importantly, no. <laughs> <laughs> all right, thanks, Ryan. Uh, right, Liverpool have gone um, two 0 up on Manchester. You know, pretty much the last kick of the game here to Moss. United run the attack, uh, trying to, to force an equaliser. Long ball from Allison um, found like Salah in total space, ran in and just uh, and a tight little finish home. Lovely and the full time whistle has just gone actually two 0 Liverpool. Yeah, lovely finish. Just just give Liverpool the title now. Yeah, let's get it done. Um, yeah, look, you know it was a solid workman like performance. Liverpool never looked under too much pressure. Um, yeah, look, it's it's all over the title race. It's, it's done, I suppose, from a United point of view. Um, it's about probably time that they start starting their next manager. And I think <laughs> you don't like all the results, Gerald. Look, I think he's too inexperienced um, to. And I don't blame him at all for the for the plight of United. I think um, ever since Ferguson um, left, um, they've just gone downhill. Um, mm. And obviously, there's been three, four managers in situ since. Um, Sasha looks like he's seen a ghost there. Doesn't look happy at all about. Yeah, for a guy who who was so baby faced once, I don't think managed. That was before he took the United. Yeah, yeah, like he he's aged about twenty years um, since he's taken it. But look, I just think for a club of their stature. Um, get get you know mm. they have to they have to kind of uh, mirror that with with a manager, particularly when they need um, serious investment in their squad. Um, I just think another manager with uh, with a name with 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 a kind of mm. history of success will be able to attract players um, that that United so badly need. I, I, I don't I'm not a United fan, but I think it's it's bad for the game seeing them um, in such such a stark um, situation. All right, we'll get a full-time report on that in just a bit. Uh, going to go back to last night, and as we were talking about at the top of the show, Father O'Neill's uh, suffering heartbreak against Tullerone in that epic encounter in Croke Park in the intermediate final. Their manager is Dave Colbert. He's been speaking to Oshin Langan. Dave Colbert, uh, part of the management team with Father O'Neill's. That is a really heartbreaking way to lose an AIB All-Ireland Club final. But I guess as a manager, all you can ask is for your lads to give it everything, and that's what they gave. Yeah, it was an incredible game, like um, an incredible effort from our fellas. You'll be, you'll be just so proud of them how they how they conduct themselves out there. What's the times? It probably looked like it was gone, and we came back, and then they came back. And it's, I just know. I'd say watching the news, it probably was an incredible game to watch. Um, but no, fierce proud of our fellas. Fierce proud of, of how they conducted themselves and, and what they put into it all year. They've, they've been incredible, and uh, not very proud of them. The narrative is if you go to Crow Park for a final and don't come away with the trophy. It's a disappointing day, and I get that. But you must take an awful lot of pride from how you performed, what you gave, the fact that you were part of one of the greatest games that I've ever seen on that pitch or any other pitch. 
no look we, we've lost in our final we've lost the game by a point and that's all we've lost I know it's easy to say it like, but but that is a fact like, we're your county champions you're Munster champions we've never done that before where this club has come from since 96 being junior A and never winning a, a junior East Cork even before that um, to where these players have brought us today is just remarkable and to be back in Crow Park after winning the junior All-Ireland uh, 15 years ago or whatever it was like it, it's just remarkable Um but no, you're, you're right that you, you last night are in final and you are disappointed. But we've had an incredible year, like an incredible year. The wider hurling public outside of East Cork won't maybe know a whole pile about you. They wouldn't up until tonight have known a whole pile uh, about your players. But I'll tell you what, they stood out tonight and some of those boys will be wearing the red of Cork uh, this summer, I think. Look, there are best generation of players. There's, there's no question about it. And... Um, as I said, they've brought places we never thought we'd get to. Um, we won the junior county 15 years ago. We thought this is the greatest thing ever. And next thing, a generation of fellas came along and just blew um, what our standards are hurling through the roof. And, and they've they brought us to places. I can't repeat myself here, but they have. It, it's just where we come from to where they brought us uh, is just remarkable I guess the primary aim was achieved this season that was winning Cork and getting promoted uh, and this can be a starting point not a finishing point I guess is, is, is that the way you need to look at this or maybe is that the way you are looking at this that's the way we have to look at it we were, we're out in the league in a month's time I think uh, so the boys have four weeks off less maybe and uh, we're going to go at it again that, and that's what they do they want to perform they want to achieve and um, and now that, that's what they have to do. We, we lick our wounds tonight and tomorrow and for a few weeks or whatever, but we've got to come together again and go at it. And there's, there's no other option. Dave, hard luck tonight. Uh, you gave it absolutely everything. You come away from here with, a, 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 I suppose, a, a lot of plaudits. I know you wanted a cup with those plaudits, but the plaudits, I suppose, is, is all you have going. But, God, you gave everything tonight. I think you have to be applauded. Hard luck. Thanks very much. Thanks very much. Yeah, it's Dave Corbett there speaking after uh, the defeat last night to Tullerone and you could hear just the pride in his voice about how far Father Neils have come being Cork champions, Munster champions, getting to an All-Ireland final. You can hear how proud he was of all his players there. Yeah, no, look, um, that's what the day is about, you know, representing your locality, your people, your club. Um, and he just is so proud of his players. And look, you can hear the disappointment, obviously, in, in his voice too. It would it would have been just lovely to top it off uh, with an Ireland title. Um, and now look, they, they they go again, as he says, but probably a pity that they don't go straight into senior grade. Um, but look, I guess that's that's just the way Cork Hurling has kind of readjusted and, and reconfigurated the, the championship. Um, so like you've got, I suppose, the likes of Charleville Char- now, who also were in an Ireland club final, um, and Cantork, who, who won an Ireland club the year before. Um, three teams who, who, who were at the top of the intermediate level. Um, you know, they're not up to senior standard in Cork currently at the moment. Unfortunately, I think it would be lovely for, for Cork Hurling to have them at the top table, but um, such is the decision of the Cork GA team. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we'll still come on the show. We're going to talk uh, Conor McGregor's win last night. We're going to talk Monsters win today. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. The Big Red Bench. Right, Full time report from Anfield Champ Pennington. Liverpool 2, Manchester United 0, and Jurgen Klopp's men's relentless pursuit of the first title in 30 years receives a major boost as they record only their second win in 12 games over Manchester United. Virgil van Dijk's early header and Mo Salah's late strike proved the difference with the hosts missing a whole host of chances to make the margin of victory bigger. United had their chances to nick a point, but Anthony Martial couldn't keep his composure when he really should have scored. Liverpool 2, Manchester United 0. 
And that is Liverpool 16 points clear at the top of the Premier League table with a game in hand over Manchester City. Not quite champions yet, but it's only, only a matter of time. All right, going to talk again. Munster's been today 33-6 is how it finished over the Ospreys in their, their final Champions Cup pool game. It must have been a hard game for them tomorrow knowing that yesterday's results didn't go their way um, and there wasn't much to play for today. Yeah, look... Um, I guess looking at the history of Munster in European Cup um, and the disappointment of last week and then you know knowing going to bed last night that, that you know you were going playing in a I suppose a mm. meaningless game in, in, in the European Cup um, but like I suppose the, the build up to the game you know like Billy Holland and Van Grant spoke about um, I suppose representing the jersey and representing the supporters and, and, and putting in a performance so um, and I think look Jack Jack O'Donoghue kind of alluded to you know maybe the pressure was off a little bit and it was nice to see um, you know Ben Ely make his debut mm. um, and you know Jack O'Sullivan come on and, and, and make an impact and Craig Casey you know score score his debut try in Europe um, so look there's there's you know there's you know there's definitely positives um, after the game but yeah look disappointing way to, to finish in Europe yeah speaking of Jack O'Donoghue we hear from him there now uh, after today's game Tom Jack O'Donoghue congratulations good win obviously the disappointment you're not going to be in the quarterfinals but was it nice to just get out there and a nice little blow give the fans something to cheer about yeah absolutely I think we were able to play with a bit of freedom you know we had no pressure on us whatsoever and we were just able to express ourselves and play rugby you know it was a beautiful day sunshine and you know we were able to just uh, throw the ball around and I think that's exactly what we did we didn't exactly start very well but I think towards the, the end of the game we really built into it and you know we saw some cracking tries Was it tough yesterday to come to terms with the the fact that the results hadn't gone your way in over in Leon and down in Sale as well and you weren't going to have something to play for this afternoon? Yeah, we look, we, we had spoken about that during the week and, and we knew exactly what we had to do we, we couldn't control any of those results and stuff, so we are very much focused on just going out there and, and playing playing a good brand of rugby and, and giving the fans something to cheer about. And fairness to them, a, a great crowd came out to support us, and you know that's exactly what we want to do: is be able to give them something to cheer about and and send them um, on their way for a few weeks break, uh, and hopefully then we'll regroup uh, come Kings. It took a while for you to get going this afternoon, but ultimately getting those two tries before half time it just gave a nice little bit of a cushion. Yeah, I think we, we, we didn't exactly start very well. Our probably discipline wasn't great, and we, we allowed uh, Ospreys to, to keep the scoreboard ticking over. But as soon as we got into their 22 and stuff, I thought we were, we were much more clinical. And I think we, we came away with, with, with two tries just for half time, and that was massive. Um, building momentum going into the second half, and I think early on we were able to, to kick on and, and keep the pressure on Ospreys. You're back in the Ireland squad now as well. You got the call from Andy. Yeah. What have what have you been doing in the last couple of months? Because it seems that probably since early on early on in the season, you just have kicked on that other level. What if have, have you done anything different in the last little while? No, no, nothing different. You know, I think I've just had momentum going from game to game. I've nearly been involved in most of the games um, up until now. So I think I've just had that momentum and the consistency going forward. And look, I my ambition this year was to to. to, to get into the Champions Cup team with Munster and be a regular starter and then to push on and thankfully the Ireland call came and I'm ready to kick on with that now and, and look forward to going into camp. I think it was Stephen Ferris on our show last week, he said that there probably are guys like you and others around the country as well who weren't involved in the World Cup squad and because you were out there playing regularly week in, week out, you're probably in the forefront of people's minds then as well. People get to see a lot more of you. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Look, I had a 
you know, bad injury last year. So I think getting a full preseason under my belt was what, what was really important. And then I suppose having a long spell out, you're you're really hungry and you're really eager to to hit the ground running. And I think I, I tried to that from the from I think it's all the way back in September now and over in. Uh, here in Town Park and then over to South Africa and then I think I've just built momentum from that and it's thankfully it's got me in there and I'm ready to push on again Yeah that's Jack I don't know who they're speaking after today's win over Ospreys 33 points to 6 uh, How do Munster regroup now Tomas Minnick it's back to the Pro 14 their third in Conference B uh, not going too badly in the Pro 14 obviously the, the internationals will be heading off uh, to uh, Six Nations duty shortly but I mean, like, how do you change focus? I mean, like, how do you regather after, I suppose, the disappointment of not progressing in the Champions Cup? I think it's it's an easy thing to do. Um, they're professional players. And like you said, the internationals will be going off to, to Dublin to prepare for the Six Nations. Um, so it's an opportunity for, for the guys who are, who are left behind and, and not selected for Ireland. Mm. Um, look, I think if someone can put their hand up in any position uh, and say it to Van Gran and, and the new coaches in Munster, Oh, you know, I'm playing this well. I need to be selected for for Europe next year. I need to I need to be a regular in this monster team. Um, you know, there'll be a great opportunity for them to do that. Um, and I suppose the lack of silverware in Munster. Um, you know, everyone keeps talking about that. So a chance to to obviously seal qualification for the semi-finals of the Pro 14, and then have a chance to to challenge for that Pro 14 title is a big carrot. Um, and also the you know the new coaching staff. Um, I think Peter Peter Manny alluded to last week that um, you know the disruption they had with the World Cup, not getting their their seven or eight Irish kind of regular internationals back into the setup, yeah. and having only kind of seven or eight games to prepare for the European Cup. Um, they've all been challenges, so it gives um, you know, Larkham in particular mm. a chance to to really kind of influence this monster's attack. And you know, embed his his style of of play into this um, in terms of starter plays and 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 kind of continuity and, and open play. So um, all those things are kind of exciting for the players. Um, and look, you know, I don't think they'll be overly kind of disappointed or or they won't certainly let it hang within the squad. Mm. Um, you know, they they had had a chance to, to qualify from the group and unfortunately left it behind. But um, are they good enough to win a European Cup at the moment? No. no. So. Um, look, I think it's a case of looking forward and hopefully developing, uh, you know, a cohort of three or four new players into the squad. A bit of a break now for the Reds until they face uh, the uh, Southern Kings in Irish Independent Park on Friday, the 14th of February. So uh, plenty of time for them to regroup uh, off the field. All right, we're going to talk uh, MMA now because Conor McGregor, as you mentioned at the top of the show uh, this afternoon or this evening, uh, back to winning ways, back in the octagon with a 40-second win over uh, Cowboy Cerrone uh, last night. Um, so a lot of talk about what McGregor is going to do next. We're going to talk to Sean Sheehan of Severe MMA. Surely we're first going to hear from McGregor himself after last night's win. Ladies and gentlemen, referee Herb Dean has called a stop to this contest at 40 seconds of the very first round. Declaring the winner by T.A.O. and decisive a first round as you could ever get. You hurt him in the clinch with your shoulder. Is, is this something that you've worked on? Yeah, yeah, I, I changed levels with that and come up into it, so it's a good shot. Oh, 
now they'll have to say now I'm just you know the way they say I've just got a left hand they'll have to say I've just got a left shoulder as well a left hand and a left shoulder the so called experts of the game when they, they, they'd be breaking down my skill set they'd be saying I'm just a fighter with a left hand which is highly disrespectful and uneducated and I'd be surprised that some of the so many of the supposedly knowledgeable people they'd be just claiming it that, as that so it's a good shot in the clinch um, I see it you can really catch a man so um, I knew I caught him with the first one off guard and then I caught one or two more and when we separated the nose and the eye was bust and um, it's a good shot I've, I've utilised that many times um, in the gym and happy with it you ultimately finished him with punches but the high kick was a big part of the finish I'm curious I mean obviously that's kind of his signature move in a lot of ways I mean was that something you wanted to execute or yeah no of course I knew Donald has the most head kick knockouts in UFC history I was saying to Megan backstage that's the equivalent of a world title to me to having a, to having a record like that the most head kick knockouts so but at the same time and I knew he was planning to knock me out with a head kick I knew he wanted to everyone oh what if Donald catches the head kick and all this I knew this was this was what Donald would have been envisioning and his team they would have been practicing how to set me up with, with, with the high kicks Um but at the same time, I noticed Donald has many, many, uh, many discrepancies in in, in in leans and dips and cert- under certain attacks that can also set him up for the high kick. So the high kick was was something I I, I thought I could I could catch him with also. His grandmother came in and spoke with you. I'm curious if you could share the details of that conversation. She's just a phenomenal woman, that lady. She's there from the first fight of the night till the final fight of the night. And even after the bout came over and she just showed me respect and I showed her respect. And it was great to, great to meet, great to finally meet her. You know what I mean? You see her, she's a prevalent part of the game, isn't she, right? When Donald's fought so much and that lady's there from the start of the night to the finish, man. What a lady and, and what, a, what a man she's raising. Very, very very honoured to share the cage with Donald and and, and um, very proud you know it's, he's a good man and he's got good people behind him and much respect Alright that was a clip of Conor McGregor following his win last night over Donald Cerrone we're joined by our good friend Sean Sheen of Severe MMA Sean how are you sir? I'm not too bad tired this morning <laughs> as you might think but uh, but good it was, a, it was a good night last night good night of fights Yeah it certainly was we've known each other like a number of years but we actually only met up for the first time at Cage Warriors just before Christmas Yeah indeed yeah it was a, it was a good night belong Cork and they'll be they'll be coming back during the summer again I actually have a wedding that night so I won't, <laughs> so I won't be there yeah but it's it's a, there's, a, there's a great hub of of MMA belong Cork you know Cage yeah. Legacy were there as well so yeah it was, it was good to meet down in, uh, down in Cork just before Christmas there yeah, it was great, great, great night. Looking forward to Cage Warriors coming back. But on to Conor McGregor last night. Um, we, I think everyone expected Conor McGregor to win, but maybe not in such a dominant fashion. Yeah, indeed. Like a, a lot of the talk coming into the fight from from me and other people was the fact that he had only fought once in three years in MMA, and you were expecting a bit of ring rust. You're not expecting McGregor to come in there, and he even said himself to take maybe a couple of rounds to get, you know, get back to the pace. But he literally, after one second of the fight, he came running across the cage and threw a big punch, trying to knock Donald Cerrone out. And it actually didn't last much longer than that. He threw, uh, threw a few lovely shoulder strikes, which we haven't really seen much of before in MMA. 
May. Looked like he broke the nose of Donald Cerrone, separated, landed a big head kick, and basically that was it. Landed uh, with, with some shots against the cage. And, you know, it was, it's hard to say Conor McGregor isn't back immediately mm-hmm. after seeing that. You know, it was, it was, it was a vintage display where, where I suppose lots of people who uh, maybe don't watch loads of MMA are used to Conor McGregor winning quickly like that and that's what they expect from, from the Jose Aldo fight uh, even from the Mendes fight which went into the second round and the Eddie Alvarez fight as well a clinical dominant display and that's exactly what we got again last night um, because it was so dominant I don't even think Cerrone touched him last night I mean like we still have a lot of questions about Conor McGregor the fighter surely after that last night yeah, 100%. Cerrone had a true one shot and it didn't land. He threw a kick. It looked like it was kind of going between the head and the body, but McGregor got out of the way of it. And definitely there is there is still questions like, can McGregor keep on this uh, this regiment that he's on right now, getting up in the air, uh, getting up early in the morning, going to bed early at night and, and training nonstop, you know, staying off his proper 12 whiskey, as he mentioned himself last night uh, and during the week, which he had maybe a problem with before that, but he's managed to do over the last few months. There's also the, the fact that last night's fight was at 170 pounds in the welterweight division. He had previously fought at 155 pounds and before that at 145 pounds. So, you know, he's a, he's a relatively small guy at 5'9". That's a lot of weight to be carrying on your frame, especially when it's, you know, heavy muscle like that. So can he go three, four, five rounds with that amount of muscle on him? That That remains to be seen as well. And, you know, the fact that obviously he's a multi, multi, multi-millionaire now. <laughs> Uh, and he has achieved it all in MMA, as he said himself last night. He was a double champion. I'm I'm just getting back to why I love the sport now, and that's easier said than done, I suppose. You know, it's a, it's a grand thing to say in a press conference, but I suppose it's a tougher thing, you know, to actually produce uh, your best when you're in the in the place that Conor McGregor is right now. So I suppose what he has to prove over the next while is that he can get back to championship level. Donald Cerrone is a very good fighter legend of the sport but he's not championship level now or never really has been but he's a very very good high level fighter to come back to after you had been beaten down very badly and it, uh, it felt like you weren't training over the last few years so a good step this is a good first step I think but Conor McGregor isn't the best fighter in the world at the moment and hasn't proven that anyway but over the next one to two fights he can prove that again yeah, I mean, like, he looks like he could fight next week, basically, after last night's fight because it was so quick. I mean, like, he's going to be back in the octagon sooner rather than later. Who would you like to see him face next? Yeah, the thing about McGregor is he's so many options. He always has options. Uh, if he wants to fight at 170 pounds, I'm sure he could go straight into a title fight against Kamaru Usman. Very bad matchup for him, though. Usman is, is a big guy and a strong wrestler. Uh, he could fight uh, Jorge Masvidal as well at that weight class, which is an, uh, a far better matchup. Masvidal, uh, known as a striker and a knockout artist as well, similar to McGregor, and he's probably the biggest money fight for him around as well at the moment, apart from uh, Habib Nurmagomedov, who is the champion right now at £155, the, the lightweight division below, but he fights Tony Ferguson here in April. And I suppose the one other option would be uh, Justin Gaethje, who is the, the next contender at £155 as well. Um and I, I like. I think Justin Gaethje is probably the matchup right now. I don't think McGregor will want to go and wait for a, a long time. You know, Habib Nurmagomedov, uh, as I said, is fighting Tony uh, Tony Ferguson in in April, uh, and uh, then you know he has time off and he's going to be fighting later on in the years. Also, if McGregor uh, didn't you know wanted to fight him next, he would have to wait six, seven, eight months for the next fight. So I doubt that's going to happen. To be honest. 
So, you know, it, it depends in like there's there's other options as well. There's fly me out unboxing, Manny Pacquiao unboxing. And I think <laughs> every MMA fan would be hoping that doesn't happen. But I think anyone, you know, anyone of the, the Masvidal, uh, Habib, even Tony Ferguson, if he wins or Justin Gaethje fights, I think any MMA fan would be happy with any of those, to be honest. Um, PC Carroll and MMAfighting.com has, has talked a lot about the declining interest in Conor McGregor um, heading into this fight among general Irish people. Is that something you've noticed? Yeah, I think it, it definitely has. But how could it not diminish? And I was talking to uh, the people over in RTE the other day, and they were asking me about it. And like, it, like there's a, there's a diminishing fan base in terms of you know McGregor has uh, done things outside of the octagon uh, that people didn't like, and he lost those fans. You know, he'll never get those fans back. But he also lost fans that he can get back just by not fighting and not being around. Like a lot of people, I, I was out over Christmas, you know, even down I was down in Cork and around uh, at home here in Limerick. And talking to people, and you know, uh, obviously they, they they know me for covering MMA and stuff, and they're asking me rather than how's McGregor going to fight, it was like when is he fighting again? Yeah. People just didn't know about it, and I think that was that was a bigger issue than anything. People will know now, you know, people will know Conor McGregor's back. They'll know he's won forty seconds. They'll know he's on the road back to redemption. So I think it's actually a better. Uh, gauge of Conor McGregor's fan base with his next fight in the fight after that. Like th- his next fight will probably be around the summertime, so lots of people, you know, will will be uh, will be happy enough. I think to go to Las Vegas around then. But there's no question. I think that anyone who says his fan base hasn't diminished over the last few years is is lying to you, uh, or, or trying to pull the wool over your eyes. But that doesn't mean that he can't get it back. Like look at the likes of Tiger Woods, Tyson Fury. You know the cliche ones we always talk about. You know they they had big issues, lost their fans, and they they got them all back. So McGregor can do the same. Will he do the same? You know we'll find out over the next couple of years. I think it's hard for people to kind of separate without getting into details. Conor McGregor's, for want of a better word, antics out of the cage, and and the fight. And I think that's what contributed massively, I suppose, to the declining interest this time around as well. Yeah, and I suppose it's your opinion whether you want to separate them or not. Um, and you know that's everyone's prerogative. You know, I'm I'm not coming on here and saying you should be mm. a fan of Conor McGregor, you should be a fan of MMA or anything like that. Uh, you know, everyone's entitled to to their opinion. And you know, um, look, I suppose we we'll see how many of those people err on the side of I don't like Conor McGregor, and we'll see how many go to uh, you know I'm back on on the Conor McGregor bandwagon. And I suppose we'll. We'll we'll see that by how many people travel to to Las Vegas or New York or wherever his next fight will be at the weekend. There wasn't that many. There, no, there was a, a few came in. I think on fight night and even for the wins. And there seemed to be a very kind of boisterous Irish crowd there uh, on Saturday night for the for the fights. But it's hard to know. <laughs> Are they Irish or Irish American or just people wearing green T-shirts? It's it's hard to know at times. But um, I suppose. When we do see a big Irish traveling crowd, we always see those videos emerging over there, and people, you know, people on the news and, and things. Uh, but I didn't seem to have that level this weekend. But we, I suppose we'll see for the next fight if uh, if it actually comes back. Yeah, we certainly will. Thanks for talking to us today, Sean. Tell us what's happening on SevereMMA.com today, and indeed your Patreon. Yeah, well, we've uh, we've lots of stuff on Severe MMA all the time. Our Patreon is patreon.com forward slash Severe MMA podcast. We've, you know, three or four pod- new podcasts up every week and the normal Severe MMA podcast up for free every Sunday. Uh, if you go to uh, Severe MMA on any of your podcast apps, you'll find it there or severemma.com as well. Excellent, Sean. A pleasure as always, buddy. Lovely. Thanks very much for having me. Yeah, always great to talk to Sean Sheen um, on MMA and uh, good to get his views on Conor McGregor last night. I was the first... Conor McGregor fight since his Cage Warriors days that I didn't watch live which shows you I suppose maybe A my declining interest in MMA as a whole but B just 
Conor McGregor hasn't sat right with me over the last while um, for his off the field angstics as I, as I was saying to Sean there so I didn't celebrate his win today um, I couldn't really celebrate his win it's hard to separate the man from, from what's going on outside the cage I think yeah look we spoke I suppose in a bit up to the fight um, you asked me whether I was a fan or not and look I definitely admire what he's achieved in, mm. the, in the ring and his athletic ability and I guess the um, the sacrifices he had to make to get to the top but um, like you've just said um, you you can't separate um, I suppose the, the man he is and I guess the stuff that he's been uh, that's been bandied about that he's been accused of but um, so like it's it's hard to get excited it's hard to celebrate him as you said um, when you, yeah. you know you, you, you have to question um, I guess who he really is and what he really stands for mm-hmm. um, look you can't deny even what he achieved last night and, and the ability that he put on show he's he's a class MMA fighter um, and he's box office for, for the sport um, and you can't deny that but yeah look in terms of uh, getting genuine Irish support back and, and you know his fan base back to where it was I don't think he he, he will ever achieve that yeah I, I'd agree with that um, in fairness uh, Brian Donovan of RT who um, was over there at the fight last night I spoke to Conor McGregor afterwards and asked him about um, things that were happening off the ca- outside of the cage and what impact that was having on him and his fan base and all that the Irish people are very proud of my successes and very happy to come back and represent the Irish people tonight what would you say to some of those Irish people who might be disappointed by some of the things you've done outside of the octagon and court appearances and various things over the last two years look you know like I said the Irish people they they celebrate in my successes and they're very proud of my successes and at the same time they call me out if I let them down and you know for me that that affects me it motivates me to keep working and, and, and be the man that I want to be and that, the, that I, I want the Irish people to be proud of me so um, I'm happy to get get back in there tonight and represent the Irish people in a good light you know I know some of the things have been not, not, not right and I owned up to that and we move on so yeah, not much of an answer there from Conor McGregor uh, in fairness. But look, he won last night, goes on to uh, more fights. I'm sure we'll be talking about Conor McGregor uh, down the line. But yeah, we have to acknowledge that he's, he's not everyone's cup of tea. I mean, he was never everyone's cup of tea anymore, but um, not so much, even more now. So Yeah, look, I guess the only kind of thing is that he, he has a, a chance to, to redeem himself and to be an actual role model and show that he has changed his ways and maybe he not. was certainly acting a lot more humble this week yeah, you know, that's be, an act or, yeah. or whatever but to be fair to me I like even you know his his interactions with uh, the cowboy pre-fight and post-fight mm. um, he was very gracious um, and look if he can I suppose get back to the top of the game which he looks like he's well capable of and then maybe conduct himself uh, in a manner that kind of uh can can I suppose inspire the youth of of I suppose inner city Dublin and and, and maybe areas uh, you know of of I suppose um, I suppose less uh, social mm. um, you know um, I suppose wealth um, you know he's he's proven that you can come from uh, I suppose a lower social demographic and, and make it to the top of the world and in, in, in his kind of in his sport and and that should be inspiring and that should. Um, kind of inspire kids to, to to pursue sport, to pursue um, their passion, to pursue whatever in life. So, um, look if he can kind of refocus himself and and direct that ability and and try to inspire things. You know, he can he can win people yeah, back. And, and look, he has a chance to do that. All right, going to leave that there. Uh, just before we wrap up, um, Carfin making it uh, a three 
in a row of all Ireland AIB senior club football titles earlier on today with that extra time win over Kilku at Croke Park certainly not one for the ages I don't think anyone from Cora Finn is going to care too much about that uh, going to hear now from uh, Cora Finn's Ian Burke who's uh, speaking afterwards Corfin Zine Burke, you're pretty used to these interviews, All Ireland champion three in a row, the first time ever. Yeah, I don't know would you ever get used to something like that. It's something that we could never believe would have happened. And the way that we kind of went about doing it and you know going to extra time in that today was a testament to lads. I see them walking into the dressing room there and I mean it's a huge testament to them, management team and the whole panel of players. I mean, there was lads coming off the the bench there who hadn't really played all year but are huge players for us and you know credit must go to them guys for you know seeing us over the line today. I'm going to use the most GA word ever, which is the schmazzle at uh, full time coming in. What went on? Like, we saw some of the pictures. Uh, do you know what kicked it off? <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't there. I wasn't in the middle of it. I didn't suppose you have to ask the guys. Angelic. Yeah. <laughs> That's me. I like to stay out of all that. Let the big lads in for all that. So I stay out of it. <laughs> but, you know, obviously, something changed for you. You came out and... You know, people, cynicists will say, well, maybe if Cora Finn just played football from the off, they wouldn't be in this situation. Or was that Kilku didn't met you? Yeah, it was, it was Kilku didn't let us in fairness. We kind of thought we knew what they were going to bring. And then, you know, we weren't able to break it down for, for large spells. We went to a good few minutes the first half without getting a score. Even 24. 24 minutes. Thanks for that, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we kind of took us a while to break them down. But just at, at full time, we just said, look, there's 10 minutes here. Give it everything we have. And, and see where we are with 10 minutes ago and look we had a great start or a great kind of first half and I was delighted for Conor Coney to get the goal um, I don't know what Messi has scored or the way he's got it in but uh, it, was, uh, it was a brilliant goal and, and it just set us up nicely Yeah there was no coming back from that mountain you created at that point but full time eventually when the proper full time whistle went how did you feel? Oh it was unreal I, I don't think I've ever witnessed something like that in all the I suppose we've been here once or twice before and that but it was just I suppose the way I went and the way we did it it was just unreal you know and the atmosphere and that, as Kieran said the, the, you know, the fans got behind us and it was just unreal like as in Something you've never really experienced, and it was just such a lovely way to, you know, win, win, win our three in a row, you know. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, they were mentioning this module there, Tomas, that uh, happened. Uh, 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 between normal time and extra time we saw uh, I think it was it a Kilku player or a Kilku substitute flying over the railing sideways like he was flying over a top rope in wrestling it was uh, uh, all systems go there just before uh, but just after the full time whistle yeah, look, he might get a, a contract with WWF or <laughs> WWE or whatever um, kind of wrestling federation is going on these days and following the footsteps of Seamus or, <laughs> or someone like that. Um, and look, interesting to hear Ian Burke as well allude to the goal as Messi-esque. I think um, he's definitely got his Corrafin uh, tinted glasses on there. It was more like Gary Doherty <laughs> nudge into the back of the net um, from a few years back. Yeah, it wasn't a great game of football at all. I mean, like, it was at seven points apiece is how it finished after an hour, which is criminally yeah, low. It was 3-2 at half-time or something crazy. <laughs> like, um, for the two best teams in Ireland, it's it's probably, yep. you know, it's it's just indicative of mm-hmm. the way football maybe has gone. Um, so they need to look at something. Um, look, I know they're trying to change rules and implement better better game, but um, something has to be addressed there. Yeah, I don't think anyone from Carfin's going to mind that tonight. Right, we're out of time. Thank you very much indeed for tuning away on the Big Red Bench this evening. Our podcast will be online. You can get that on redextra.ie get it redfm.ie. You'll get it wherever you get your podcast basically. Um, so have a look for that if you missed any of tonight's show or indeed last night's show. You can follow us on Twitter at Big Red Bench. Uh, we're back next Saturday from 6pm of course. Uh, Alan Donovan's up next with Green on Red bringing you three hours of the, the very best Irish music right here on Cork's Red FM. So on behalf of Tomas and myself, enjoy the rest of your Sunday evening and uh, we'll talk to you next Saturday at 6pm. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM.